coming to you from a cozy little condo high atop old Fort Ward, Atlanta. Welcome, Welcome to The Ron Show on America One Radio. Here's your host, Ron Roberts. And a happy Tuesday to you. Thanks for listening, whether it be on the America One Radio app at AmericaOneRadio.com by telling your smart device to enable the America One Radio app, or if you're listening via podcast, we do appreciate that. I like to start the show with good news whenever possible. However, we've had, it seems, a spate of hate directed at worshipers in Metro Atlanta. Uh, Over the weekend, obviously, we had the anti-Semitic rallies uh, outside Macon and Cobb County synagogues. And then this morning, the fine folks uh, at the church on Ponset Highland showed up to their venue to see that their sign at the street corner had been vandalized. Reverend Mimi Walker is here to join us. Uh, Reverend Walker, thanks for joining the show. I appreciate that on such short notice and all. Sure. So the sign vandalized. The statement on the sign read, if I'm not mistaken, God loves trans kids. Correct? That that's what was on the sign. Now that was the original one. So it it actually um had been changed. This one was a little more generic. Mm-hmm. Um the God loves um, you know, LGBTQ folks. Yeah. So this is the four, actually the fourth incident in the last two months. It was an a, end of April when we had the trans kids um, sign and someone spray painted over that. Then we had the flag taken down and torn up. And then in the last week, we've had two more uh, slurs written on the sign that we have there now. So it, that's what has been concerning is that it wasn't just one event now that it's it's reoccurring events. So before I dive into this a little bit, I want you to, if you will, just tell us a little bit about your church and your history, the the inclusivity of it, how, how long that that has been the mantra of this church. It has been uh, for this church officially since, I'd say, 2012, although within the congregation, you know, we're, we're in that um, Baptist tradition in which it's the church congregation reads scripture and makes these decisions. And within that there have been people taking um, positive positions before that, but we made it official in 2012 that um, we would be an open and affirming church um, in all things, and we uh, connect with the Alliance of Baptists, which is a, a smaller group of Baptist churches who have, from their beginning, been um, not only supportive of women in ministry, but also supportive of the LGBTQ community. Well, I was going to say, the fact that I'm speaking to a female minister tells me right away you guys were not part of the Southern Baptist Church. Uh, I grew up in the Southern Baptist yeah. Church as well, so <laughs> I'm pretty familiar with well, uh, the things I, that they don't yeah, like. Yeah, I was too, until they actually officially threw us out. The, the congregation had been uh, working with the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship for some time, mm-hmm. um, but it was in 20, uh, 12, 2010, I think, when the Southern Baptist started to taking the, the movement to actually pushing out churches. So again, you have that opportunity where individuals within a congregation can support the work that they choose to support. And we had been supporting um, some of what the Southern Baptists were doing as well as Cooperative Baptists. Um, and then they decided to kick us out, um, which was fine. We continue to work with the Cooperative Baptists and then have really put a lot of our emphasis with the um, sharing what our skills and our resources with the Alliance of Baptists and churches that we know are uh, very openly uh, open and affirming for all people. You'll have to forgive me because my Christianity is a little rusty. Um, I, I, I am not a religious person now, but I, I do remember a lot about what I was taught about Jesus. 
uh, growing up in a Baptist church and, and this uh, exclusivity and being kicked out and being unwelcoming, that just doesn't strike me as anything I ever remember being taught about Jesus. No, it's very sad. It's very um, unchristlike as far as we're concerned. I mean, Jesus was all about loving and accepting people and, and drawing them into the love of God. And to see people being so actively um, hateful and, and discriminatory uh, just for us is completely outside the message that we read, in particular, in the words of Jesus and really throughout the, the New Testament. And and then you go back and you when, you're, when your lens of reading is open to God being completely loving and accepting, you see this just pouring through the, the prophets of the Old Testament as well. So it to some degree, it's what... What lens are you looking through? Are you looking for judgment? Or are you looking for um, a loving God? And how long have you been with this church? I've been with this church for about 15 years okay. now. So you can go back to uh, the, the infancy of its acceptance with the LGBTQ plus community in an open fashion. So you can speak to this recent spate. Has Is this common or is this just a, a recent upswell or... Um, well, it's a re- definitely a recent upswell. We've had um, we've kept a rainbow flag out in front of the church on that corner, and so particularly over the past few years, we have had that stolen, taken down. It disappears. So we keep bringing it back. So we haven't actually identified who has wanted to take that message down. But then, you know, we've been grateful that it's also a message that has let a lot of people know that there's this space in the city that they know they are loved, and so we keep replacing the flag. Um, but there's definitely been, I think, an upsurge in, um, you know, hate all around over the last uh, number of years. You know, it's, I think, the more frustrating thing are the the laws that are being proposed that are mm. anti-LGBTQ, and it's just so disheartening. Um, definitely a, a backlash to the, the openness that we had begun to see uh, in our culture. And it's unfortunate that a lot of that hate gets wrapped up or swept up in a evangelical movement that, of course, is contrary to your church and uh, your church's philosophy. But do you feel like mm-hmm. when when you're welcoming in uh, folks to your church for the first time who may be LGBTQ+, do you almost feel like you're, you're trying to open the door for a wounded animal that's been wounded by another human being that's untrusting of a human being because of that past? Um, yeah, and, and church, ours and churches like ours do tend to get people who have been wounded, not only LGBTQ people, but, but women, um, other mm-hmm. folks who have been hurt by church systems and are, you know, are looking for a faith um, and a safe place to, to share that faith. So we definitely um, feel like there's folks coming from different spaces where they, they have been hurt and are needing a safe place to to become a part of a community where they can trust that whoever they are and wherever they are on their spiritual journey, um, they are welcomed and loved, and we, we walk this path together. We are on with Reverend Mimi Walker from the church at Ponce at Highland. Uh, we awoken this morning to find that their marquee sign outside the church had been defaced with graffiti paint, uh, and the message on it again said what uh, at this at this point in time? Um, the the last message was a little more general. God loves. Um, all, well, the current one. Yeah, it was actually very general. God is proud of who you are for Pride Month. So right. it wasn't 
even as direct as the previous one, but definitely intending to um, speak to the uh, those who are excited about this being Pride Month. Now, I don't know about you, but I find it ironic that this sort of action actually only gives more voice to your message. I mean, you're on this show. You've been on all the TV stations uh, here locally of late. Those who didn't know about the, your church know about it now. That that doesn't seem to be working in the favor of those who are who are seeking to intimidate. Well, we hope so, and you know, we try to play down and not talk about what they actually put there or include any sure. um, slurs and the negative language. Sure. But um, we do hope that something good comes out of those attempts, and that we are able to let more people know that, you know, we are open and affirming and that we are a part of a number of other churches that we work together with. As I say, we work with the Alliance of Baptists, and we know there are a lot of other progressive churches that are open, and we hope more people know that that option is out there and will go looking for communities, because really being a part of a community and sharing this faith, and as we say, reading the scriptures together and finding out, you know, what the meaning is for our lives, always looking through that lens of God is completely, unconditionally loving, and, and and share that path together. Now, have you guys dealt with spray-painted graffiti before, or just ripping of the flag? Um, we have um, not around the LGBTQ um, message, but just um, from, I think, angry people, more generic stuff, a few political things in the past um, mm. that has been painted and had to be removed as quickly as possible. So it's, we are, you know, in a very open corner uh, in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. So um, that, that we've been easy to access for some time. It's just more directed right now. Mm. Well, that's unfortunate, but uh, fortunately you guys are providing that welcoming space for those who wish to worship and worship, whether they are LGBTQ plus or just LGBTQ plus affirming. Again, yeah. I, I saw the sign earlier from the, from the Advocate article that mentioned that, you know, you, you guys are quick to point out that God loves trans kids. That seems to be something, a message that is lost uh, in, in today's uh, hyper-politicized yeah. and, and, and hateful rhetoric. But uh, I'll let you get to it. I know you've got some work to do, some people to greet, and uh, some signs to repair, and, and it's unfortunate that it has to be that way. When <laughs> when can folks come to your church? Give us, give us a story. When's the worship services? We have... Yes, we have our services um, every Sunday at 11 a.m. We have a, a Bible study group that meets before that at uh, 9.45, starts around 10 a.m. We have a um, group that does their Bible studies or book studies or conversations tend to be on Zoom because the traffic is so bad in the city. So <laughs> you can check our website and find get access to uh, any of those many ways of connecting up with this congregation. It's just a wonderful group of people to be part of. And that website, by the way, is church at org, all spelled out. Yes, yeah. all spelled out. Good deal. Church at org. Reverend Mimi Walker, thank you so much for joining me and talking with us today. Well, thank you so much for inviting us. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Have a good one. All right, you too. Again, having been raised in a Southern Baptist church, where, by the way, at least one person I know, other than me, in the church choir, was a gay man. We were still taught, contrarily, that being gay was a sin, acting on it was an egregious sin. And while there was always that message of welcome to bring guests to that church, I'll never forget the time an African-American family came to service once 
And first, let me point out, I went to this church from like age eight to 16. In the eight years I went to that church, I remember the time a black family came to service. And I'm pretty sure nothing contrary was said to them. There was some head turning. You could always see people looking back at the pew they were sitting on just to see how they were or what they were doing. the, the, The vibe... The vibe didn't seem very well because the the family never came back to that church. I say all that not to throw dirt at the church I grew up in, but to throw praise at this church for its inclusivity, its prominent displaying of its inclusivity. And that's why there are volunteers working on that sign right now to make sure it is displayable again by the end of the day. It's that important to them to let folks know that their church is a welcoming place. And that's refreshing. More on show after this on the America One Radio app, americaoneradio.com, or wherever you podcast. Welcome back to the Ron Show. Boy, not a good day to be Ponce de Leon Avenue. Not only do you have a church getting vandalized overnight, but now there is a huge sinkhole on the 200 block near Mary Max Tea Room, apparently half swallowing a white SUV earlier this afternoon. I'm sure they'll just throw a metal plate over that. And by the way, can we just talk about these rim-rattling divots? Or it don't, I think they're actually even cut out. They look like they're cut out. I was heading to show a house in Lithonia, and I'm traveling south on Boulevard to get on I-20, and as I get on the overpass to go over I-20, bam, on the right side. Oh, my gosh. And I don't know about you guys, but when... when I, I'm not like an angry driver anymore. Uh, I used to be. Not anymore. But man, when my tire, and you know, I've got like those those thin tires, those, those new harder tires. But, you know, you feel the rim. You just feel like it's going to crack at some point in time when you hit one of these things. I'll, I'll hit it and then go, God, yeah. <laughs> because it angers me. Fix it. Fix it. There's another one. Oh, I could sit here and do an entire show on divots and potholes uh, in Metro Atlanta. There was another one. Where was I coming from? I was coming from Southside Park. I want to say coming up Moreland, right where the Beltline is coming. Just another one of those. Bam! God! Yeah. I mean, it was just, oh, it's... One of these days, my tire's not going to make it. The rim's not going to make it. I'm going to have to buy a new... And I don't like spending money on stuff I don't need to be spending money on, y'all. Fix it. And by the way, if, like me, you experience stuff like this in and around Atlanta, the thing to do, they say, is to tweet at ATL311. You can call 311 for non-emergency stuff as well. But to tweet at ATL311. At ATL311. When you run over something like... There's another one. Oh, hang on. I want to say it's Northside Drive going underneath I-75. Whole, uh, just another one of those. Bam! God! Yeah, I mean, you just fix it. At ATL311. In fact, I'm going to tweet them. I'll do it after the segment's over. Hey, by the way, let me pivot while I've got a few minutes here. We all know, right, that Governor Brian Kemp is going to run for something else very soon. He's term limited out of the governor's race, cannot run for that again in about three years. The likely scenario is that he runs 
for John Ossoff's Senate seat. Well, the two of them were at a groundbreaking for an EV battery maker plant in South Georgia today, where Brian Kemp attacked Joe Biden's electric vehicle policy. Again, at the groundbreaking for a federally backed battery material maker. Make it, make sense. And John Ossoff was in the audience. I'd have been like, wait a minute. Hold on, hold on. I want some microphone time if I'm John Ossoff. But John Ossoff. So what Brian Kemp said was that Georgia's electric mobility boom is taking place because our state is second to none for companies looking to invest, relocate, expand, and innovate. Not because the federal government continues to put their thumb on the scale, favoring a few companies over the industry as a whole. That's a good Brian Kemp. Kudos. I I deserve some. Anyway, the AP reports the remarks are unusually partisan for a factory groundbreaking. Uh, Inovian's $800 million investment promises 400 new jobs in rural Bainbridge, Georgia, in the state's far southwest corner. Georgia's been a top beneficiary of a nationwide electric vehicle investment boom with more than 40 electric vehicle-related projects since 2020, pledging $22.7 billion of investment and 28,400 jobs in the state. Kemp went on, when President Biden and others falsely try to take credit for Georgia's success, don't forget that next year is an election year. The article continues... The governor planned this attack knowing that Democratic Senator John Ossoff would likely share his stage at the groundbreaking. Ossoff has been Georgia's most high-profile supporter of Biden's electric vehicle policies. The two could be rivals for the Senate seat in 2026. And Ossoff has argued that Georgia's investment boom wouldn't happen without Democratic policy. So Ossoff did speak to the Associated Press saying, and I I I don't have his voice, it is... Bizarre to attend a groundbreaking and launch a political attack on the very policy that made the groundbreaking possible. The governor is throwing a panicked political tantrum over the success of federal manufacturing policies in his own state. And by the way, as this AP article definitely points out, things got tenser back when Hyundai and LG Energy Solution announced a $4.3 billion electric battery plant in May at Hyundai's new complex. John Ossoff was here in the States and assertively trumpeted the news while Kemp was in Israel, a move that chafed some Kemp administration officials. What we have here is a micro-fracture of what I think will be the growing rift going into 2024 and 2026. Because here's the thing, y'all. Because of the Inflation Reduction Act and because of climate change investment from the Biden administration since 2021, There has been a manufacturing boom. The Hill reported this in January. A surge in manufacturing construction across the country is grabbing the attention of economists and workers on the ground as legislative efforts to reinvigorate the U.S. industrial base are bearing fruit. Experts say these changes have been long awaited and they represent a watershed moment for U.S. heavy industry and a shift toward more environmentally friendly methods of production amid an ongoing climate emergency. As Biden runs for re-election and... We will likely see Ossoff running for re-election against a governor, Brian Kemp, who's going to try to wrest some control over the narrative. We're going to watch that argument play out. It's going to be really interesting to see. And, and by the way, 
I, I've said this before the show, during the show, the one way Democrats could win over some of these rural states that they have a hard time winning uh, locally, West Virginia, great example, turn that into the green energy sector. Folks are dying by 50, 55 because they work in coal mines. Give them the opportunity to work in solar manufacturing instead. Uh, battery making, EV, I, I mean, and, and live to 75, 80 to actually get to retire and enjoy it. That's how, and, and I'm telling you, this manufacturing boom that is happening under Joe Biden, this is the tree for which he will not live long enough to see and enjoy the shade of. I wish there were more trees he were planting in other areas, but this is a big one. And it's yet to be seen if he'll bear the, the, the benefit of that fruit that he's planting now electorally in 2024, but Democrats should enjoy it going forward if they manage to hold the narrative that, hey, we built that. More on show after this. Broadcasting five days a week to make common sense common again. This is The Ron Show on America One Radio. By now, you've all heard the audio Donald Trump showing classified classified material to people in his inner circle. And we'll get to that audio in just a little bit. But that may not even be the dumbest thing I've heard in a while. Listen, I'm not even going to mince words here. Senator Rick Scott is not a smart man. I have absolutely no idea what prompted him to release this video, but he did via social media uh, about nine hours ago. Listen to this. Senator Rick Scott here. Let me give you a, a travel warning. If you're a socialist, communist, somebody that believes in big government, I would think twice. Think uh-huh. twice if you're thinking about taking a vacation or moving to Florida. We're the free state of Florida. We actually don't believe in socialism. We actually know people, and we some people in our state lived under it. We know people lived under socialism. It's not good. It's not good for anybody. So if you're thinking about it, if you think about coming to Florida and you're a socialist or communist, think twice. We like freedom, liberty, capitalism, things like that. Okay. When I tell you that Rick Sott's not a smart man, how can I put this in a way that you'll understand? All right, first of all, Outside of American visitors who come to Florida, the nations that visit Florida the most, Canada, universal health care, United Kingdom, universal health care. Those are number two and number three outside the United States. Brazil at number four, universal health care. Colombia, number five, universal health care. Mexico, number six, a form of universal health care. Argentina, Germany, Chile, Ecuador, Peru, Spain, France. You go down the list, these are all countries that enjoy universal health care to some measure. Or as Republicans would call it, socialism. Listen, this is all very patently aimed to maintain the Cuban-American vote that has grown steadily in the GOP column for the last 10, 20 years. This is one of those deals where once Bernie Sanders became something of a rock star on the left, the socialism stuff started becoming the mantra on the right. And and Bernie, of course, is a democratic socialist. So even just clinging to the word socialist. And by the way, Florida loves socialism when they need FEMA to roll in after a hurricane or a tropical storm. They love socialism then. More socialism, please. 
They just don't like to call it socialism. That's their taxpayers. We paid our taxes. We deserve that. Well, that's what socialism is, you dunces. And by the way, never forget that when it comes to reliance on federal aid, the biggest takers, red states, the states that take the least from Uncle Sam, um, they are New Jersey, blue state, Washington, blue state, Illinois, blue state, California, blue state. The top states, as far as takers go, well, you got New Mexico at number one coming in at 2022 last year. I believe they're a blue state, right? Yeah, they're a blue state. But then you have West Virginia, Mississippi, Alaska, Kentucky, Vermont. Vermont's a blue state. Then you go Montana, Arizona, Maine, Alabama, Louisiana, Wyoming. Of the top 12 takers, 10 are red states. I mean, nevertheless, if you are the senator of a tourist destination state, a state that because of tourism, your citizens don't have to pay a sales tax, maybe sit that one out, dude. Maybe not releasing videos that say, if you think this way or your country's like this or where you're from, don't come here. That's dumb. That's really dumb. I mean, is this, is this how you, is this how you sabotage Disney? It's a really dumb take. Even Ron DeSantis doesn't do that. But again, Senator Rick's not. <laughs> Senator Rick Scott, Freudian, is not a smart man. He's just not. He's the guy that was proposing huge tax increases ahead of the 2022 midterm. And what became of that red wave anyway? I mean, I don't think it was brought up enough, honestly, but it was brought up just enough that I'm sure it gave some folks pause. Okay, now we can get to the infamous Trump audio. Let's listen in as Donald Trump rattles papers and says, this is secret. You shouldn't be looking at it, but here I am showing it to you. <laughs> and of all things, you're going to call Anthony Weiner a pervert? I mean, Anthony Weiner's a pervert. But Donald Trump, Mr. Grab him by the p You want to talk about others being a pervert? Let's listen. These are bad, sick people. That, but, was, that was your coup, you know, against you. That's well, it started it, right at the like beginning. Like when Millie's talking about, oh, you were going to try to do a coup. No, they, they were trying right. to do that before you even were sworn in. That's right. Millie, trying to overthrow yeah. your election. Well, with Millie, uh, let me see that. I'll, I'll show you an example. He said that I wanted to attack Iran. Isn't it amazing? I have a big pile of papers. This thing just came up. Look. This was him. They presented me this. This is off the record, but they presented me this. This was him. This was the Defense Department and him. Wow. We looked at some. This was him. This wasn't done by me. This was him. All sorts of stuff. It's pages long. Look. Wait a minute. Let's see here. <laughs> Yeah. I just found, isn't that amazing? This totally wins my case, you know. Mm-hmm. Except it is like highly confidential, yeah. <laughs> secret. This is secret information. Yeah. Look, look at this. You attack. And Hillary would print that out all the time, you know. <laughs> she'd, send it, no, she'd send it to yeah. Anthony Weiner. Yeah, yeah. The pervert. Um, by the way, isn't that incredible? Though? Yeah. I was just saying, because we were talking about it. <laughs> And you know, he said he wanted to attack Iran and what? He said the papers. 
Well, this was done by the military, given to me. Uh, I think we can probably. Yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. Yeah, we'll have to try to Deed figure out. A, a, yeah. See, as president, I could have declassified. Yeah. Now I can't. You know, but this is. Yeah. Now, now we have a problem. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. It's so yeah. cool. I mean, it's so. I'm look. We here and I have. A, and you probably almost didn't believe me, but now you believe me. No, it's, I believe it's you. incredible, right? No, hey, bring some, uh, bring some cokes in, please. You heard him say he didn't declassify it. You heard him say it's top secret. You also heard him showing it to people who are not cleared to see it. I mean, that is like an open and shut. This is literally the Kachuta man. In broad daylight, Fifth Avenue, and my base wouldn't leave me. This is this is that moment. This is that moment. The drape themselves in the flag, teary-eyed at all the military stuff before ball games and in parades. Also, super MAGA, Trump is their guy. It, make it make sense. Y'all, this this man not not that. Not that we were going to act on anything with Iran, but what if we were? What if that stuff he's showing two summers ago to like a reporter writing a book about Mark Meadows, right? And some other staffers of his? What if that action plan actually was filed away to be used if something ever did blow up between us and Iran? And what if one of those dolts in the room kind of remembered it and was sort of compromised by somebody in Iranian intelligence and coerced to cough up intel? People risk their lives to come up with the intel themselves to drum up plans like that. Some, for all we know, may have died, may have been injured. And yet here you've got moron here just showing it to anybody. Kid Rock's all nuclear or North Korean intel, right? On a golf course. He literally joked about Donald Trump showing him stuff that he didn't need to see. Remember that? Where's that audio? Where'd you meet Trump? Let me Trump. Oh, got at the White House. Oh, Sarah Palin. Oh, at the White House. Yeah, no, Sarah Palin mm-hmm. asked him to. Uh, you know, I was friendly with her, and early, right, when we got elected. Yeah. He invited her to dinner and said, "Bring some interesting people." So she said she called me and and Ted, uh, Ted Nugent, huh. and was like, "Hell yeah." <laughs> Ended up there, we ended up becoming buddies and spent a lot of time at a golf course now. And it's really weird, get phone calls from him and stuff. It's just kind of mind blowing. What's he like to play golf with? Awesome. So much fun. <laughs> really? Why? He just knows how to have fun. Doesn't take it too seriously. Yeah. You know, he's engaging. It's just, you're just cutting it up. Just open with politics. And then he gets to they it. We're looking at maps. Of I'm like, you know, I'm like, am I supposed to be like in on <laughs> I make dirty records sometimes. I'm like, I do it here. You didn't think you'd have a hand. What do you that? think we should do about North Korea? I'm like, what? 
I don't think I'm qualified to answer this. <laughs> I mean, what did we say, y'all? Elect the clown, expect a circus, and that's what we got. And because that happened at his golf course at Bedminster in New Jersey, now there could be another round of indictments at New Jersey. There could be another state with indictments for former President Donald John Trump. We've got New York. We got Florida. Fonnie Willis says August for Georgia. And now we've got another hot mic moment <laughs> with this man. Oh, the man who dared to call Anthony Weiner a pervert, but also openly bragged about you grab them by the pussy and kiss all over them because they let you. And by the way, the Supreme Court may be saving this country from the threat of another Donald Trump presidency with their decision today, they rejected this radical independent state legislature theory, which would have let Republican controlled or actually any partisan controlled state legislatures pick the next president without our input as voters. Bullet. And listen, our electing of our U.S. presidents is Still very flawed. We all know this. Hello, hanging chads. We all know this. But literally, your opportunity to vote in a presidential election was going to be mitigated by the independent state legislature theory. I mean, where was this theory in 2016 when anyone with half a brain knew the dangers and perils that came with electing? That guy to the highest office in the land, I mean, they literally thought, oh, well, we're going to surround him with handlers. We'll be fine. And yet, one by one by one by one by one, they started falling off the wagon. Nope, can't deal with this guy anymore. Nope. But he was going to surround himself with the best people. Remember that? The best people, except for all of the people that wound up leaving early because they just didn't want to associate with the Orange Menace presidency. Yeah, I mean, our, our, listen, the Supreme Court gave us a lifeline. We still got to work with the Electoral College. One way to fix that, easy, by the way, and, and Congress could do this, not in its current form, but should, put this on the damn ballot. This needs to be a 2024 issue, uncapping the House of Representatives. If you've heard me talk about this before, I apologize, but this is a slight little small tangent, and we've only got two minutes left in the segment, so it won't be too long. We're stuck at 435, the number of people in the House of Representatives, since like the 1930s. For no real reason, really. The nation's population has nearly tripled since then. Why has the size of the House not? It is created, by the way, a dilution of our representation, meaning each House of Representative member now represents way more people than they used to before. It's hard to get in touch with your congressperson because they have so many more people to deal with. It also led to the disparity in electoral power for large states, California, Illinois, New York, Texas as well. Florida's on the rise, Georgia as well. States like California, who have to measure up to the smallest states like Wyoming, which only has one congressperson. California is 68 times as populous as Wyoming, which means it should have 68 folks in Congress instead of 52. That is a slight for California voters, y'all. Whereas Wyoming has three electoral votes, California should have 70 instead of 54. There's 16 missing electoral votes. 
uncapping the house would help fix that disparity and the disparities that exist in other states that are generously more populated than Wyoming. We have more people in some counties in Metro Atlanta than Wyoming has, and we share two senators. Can't fix the Senate because of artificial state lines, but we can uncap the House, and we should. And it's an argument, by the way, that is very popular with the American people. It's something that Democrats really need to start talking about as the 2024 cycle comes up, as well as as well as uh, um, uncapping the Supreme Court as well, since the Dobbs decision is now one year old and the rollback of Roe v. Wade and heightened abortion restrictions are as unpopular as ever in American polling by a nearly two to one margin. You know what else is two to one? Our Supreme Court partisan makeup, but in the opposite direction. You don't think that's dangerous? I do. Anyway, more Ron Show after this. This is the America One Radio app, americaoneradio.com, or perhaps you're listening at ronshowatl.com or wherever you podcast. Either way, I say thank you. Final segment for the Ron Show this Tuesday, and what do you know? As Pat J., uh, Sajak announces he's stepping down, we find out today who's taking his place. And good for this guy, really. Hard for him to find good, honest employment. Always down on his luck. Never has anything go his way. How about this guy getting a plum job? An easy one at that. Ask me. I mean, maybe Pat would tell you it's hard work. I'm kind of holding my breath as he steps away from from the game show. Like, does this mean he's going to become a crazy right winger? I literally hope not. Like, I don't dislike Pat Sajak, but I'm nervous. Because people who hold jobs like that and make good money for years and years and years, Chuck Woolery, they tend to kind of come out to be ultra conservative. No, the guy who's really been down on his luck, who's going to get this job, and good for him. It's about time he got a break. This, uh, his name is Ryan Seacrest. Did Ryan Seacrest really need this job? Damn it. Really, of all the people, Ryan Seacrest? This is the thing that kills me about Hollywood. And I have a couple actor friends, some who are kind of big time actors, some that are not. And I'd love to put them all in a room and say, all right, agree or disagree. There are way too many roles in Hollywood and way too few actors and actresses getting these roles. In fact, a guy that I'm trying to get on my show now, a good friend of mine, just wrapped one series. No, I'm sorry. This series is going to air, I believe at the end of the month, He's got another that's rolling out in a couple of months and he's filming something. I think like three things like, dude, good for you. I'm super, that, that is awesome. That is awesome. But are there not two other dudes who kind of look similar enough or can kind of play the role? And I, I, I just don't get it. You know what? I kind of like watching um, the series on ABC, Will Trent. Because they found an actor to be a lead actor who we've never really seen before. Good for him. That's more more of that, please. More of that. How about one of my favorite shows, Modern Family? Most of the folks on that show were unknowns before that show. That was one of the most successful shows in the last 15 years. Yeah, no, I get it. The guy from uh the the the, the guy from Married with Children. 
Ed, uh, Ed what's name? Yeah, of course we all knew him. And we all knew Nathan Lane when he'd appear on it from time to time, but it was just kind of a cheeky little side hustle for him. But that's my thing. It's like, really, there weren't, I don't know, a dozen or more out-of-work radio personalities since the consolidation and replacement by technology. There weren't, and I'm not suggesting me, because I legitimately have that stereotypical face for radio, okay? I have an astigmatism. My left eye kind of does its own thing every once in a while. It just, it, it wouldn't work. And I also... <laughs> Like I also like I'm I'm sure I could read the letters uh, on Vanna White's board from from where Pat stands, but in the off chance that I couldn't, or the cards they give you to read out your guests, ah, oh, what if I'm having one of those bad eye days? Sometimes you have you get to an age. Sometimes you have good eye days, and sometimes you have bad eye days. You know what I mean? And I, I'm sure they do like 18 episodes a day or something like that. But of all the really Ryan Seacrest. Of American Idol fame. He has his own morning show still. I don't know when he tapes it because he was in New York for so long while the show was based in LA. How the hell did they do that? All the people. Ryan Seacrest. Seriously? We're going to go hand him tens of millions of dollars more because that's the guy? And ask yourself this. I, I mean, listen, I got nothing against Ryan, okay? Good on him for being successful, although I do blame him for the Kardashians. He is the reason we have to deal with the Kardashians. That mom, he, he's the reason we got to deal with her, Chloe, and all the crap she sells at the airport. Have you seen these the makeup dispensers at the airport? And Kim, and by, by proxy, Kanye, and uh, the, the Caitlyn Jenner stuff. This is all, this is all Ryan Seacrest's fault, y'all. All of it. <laughs> Other than that, I got nothing against them. I ain't mad at them. I'm just saying. Could there not have been somebody else? Is Ryan Seacrest hosting Wheel of Fortune going to make you want to watch Wheel of Fortune? I say no. I, I mean, I... <laughs> Listen, Lester Holt does his thing, and then it moves into Wheel of Fortune on television here. It's probably like that at your house too, right? After NBC Nightly News, you get wheel, you get Jeopardy. And I don't do it on purpose. It's just when the news is over and it just rolls on, it just rolls on. Sometimes I change the channel because the Braves are on and sometimes I don't have to. But that's how it works. I don't choose to watch Wheel of Fortune. It just kind of happens sometimes. And I'll stick with it. But do people... I just, I don't get it. Like, first of all, Ryan's going to make a lot more money than Pat Sajak ever did. But I just don't think that hiring Ryan Seacrest makes it a draw. Now, look, you yank Steve Harvey off of Family Feud, and I don't know, maybe it doesn't work. Steve Harvey on Family Feud is must-watch television, right? Is Ryan Seacrest must-watch anything? He's like very lightly-hued wallpaper or that paint. You know, all the houses, new houses in Metro Atlanta are all painted the same like light gray with white. I mean, if, if if that isn't Ryan Seacrest's color scheme, then I don't know what is. They call that paint a drift of mist. It's almost white, but it's kind of gray. That's Ryan Seacrest, y'all. He is a drift of mist. You've seen it a million times. You see it all over the place. It doesn't make you go, oh, wow. 
this is something. It's just there. Okay. Thanks for indulging me. That's it for The Ron Show. Back tomorrow, 5 to 6 p.m. on the America One Radio app, americawoneradio.com, or wherever you podcast. More at ronshowatl.com. We'll see you tomorrow.